0: Well, hello and welcome to The Wine List, which is, as you may know, a podcast for people who like wine, they like food, but they sometimes get a bit confused as to maybe which wine goes with which food, or indeed does it really matter? It's episode nine. My name is Oliver Turnbull, and to guide us through the mysteries of pairing wine with food is, of course, my friend of many decades, uh, wine aficionado, wit extraordinaire, Mr. Richard Lane. Richard, hello.
1: Hey, Oliver. I must do my usual thing say, episode nine, excited. Um, But actually... (laughs) Yeah, every
0: time. Ooh, exciting.
1: Episode nine, I don't want to feel sad, because episode nine means next time is the last ep of this series.
0: We're getting close, but I I don't feel sad because I'm enjoying every minute. I think we've both decided uh, this is not the end of the uh, story of the wine list have we not well
1: i hope not but let's see what our listeners think you know this could be make or break this ep couldn't it
0: that's that's right exactly listeners zero do you know what i think i might do it anyway yeah Um, it's just fun yeah and it is uh, is uh,
1: good fun spending time with you my friend but also you know exploring this wonderful complex nuanced subject that we cannot totally categorize much as you would like us to called wine
0: yeah and you, you, you know you're teaching me every every week that categorization is not everything sometimes helpful richard as usual um it would, I think, it would be very, very um, relevant uh, and useful for you to uh, introduce this app.
1: Well, as you know, every app, of course, hinges upon the possibility of me getting the fiddle out. So, given that we're talking about food, it has to be. As food, hot sausage and mustard. That's from the film Oliver. Oliver. I just wanted to say, oh. Oliver. Oliver. Actually, yes. bit of a classic. I mean, I, I think probably came out around the time i was born i think is it mr bumble uh, that harry seekon played harry seekon played mr bumble and then it was a quite young and very sullen quite scary oliver reed playing bill sykes
0: oliver reed was amazing and peggy mount i believe and this is this is not even done any research i've just remembered peggy mount played uh, mrs bumble equally uh, terrifying and jowly and i was a very timid youth and i it scared the hell out of me the workhouse where oliver was and, and him going up and asking for more i remember thinking oliver you're a bit of a wimp like me you be of all those boys that want to go up and say can I have some more to the scary Mr Bumble. he
1: was kind of bullied into it though wasn't he by the others and uh, even though he knew he was weak I think he was trying to get some street cred in front of his mates by trying to be courageous really do you think because think... his little
0: face was so meek yeah Mark but maybe you're right Mark
1: Lester he's now a physiotherapist in Gloucestershire anyway we digress is he really yes it's <laughs> <laughs>
0: quite a digression good
1: heavens <laughs> so there we go imagine
0: having a bad back and he turns up
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> so yeah food food glorious food and we'll certainly have some fun here obviously people quite naturally want to put food with wine and wine with food and why wouldn't they because I'd say probably 95% of the time people are eating and having possibly convivial time with friends in a way you almost wonder why do we need to talk about it and then on the other hand there's a very much a growing movement I'd say particularly in this country I did not see this when we were in France so much but of course France is a more natural food and wine country but in Britain here we get a bit kind of I think the middle classes in britain get a little bit tied up in knots when it comes to food and wine because these days everyone's saying in this perfect digital world that we live in which i keep banging on about as a moon where we've got the internet on our phones oh i'm drinking this wine let's look it up and i now know everything about this wine because the internet's just told me and what food do i pair with it oh so and so says i've got to have this with it and when i do tastings Uh, even at WACT when I'm teaching level two wines for students or even when I've started doing kind of corporate tastings or fun tastings the first question everyone asks is nice wine Richard what do I eat with it and it's almost as though they're saying Richard you must tell me there must be a certain food stuff a specific food type that has to go with this wine and I'm kind of going no (laughs) Mm. because I don't like the way that everyone thinks we're overly prescriptive about everything, and I, I don't know whether it's anything to do with COVID. So I'm a bit of a rant today, and we, you know, no, we, we, we had all these kind of, you know bossy public health messaging from governments and stuff about what we can and cannot do I think we're being kind of trained or conditioned a bit to kind of be told what to do next and I think that's coming into the food and wine world and I think people are becoming less creative themselves as a result so I want to kick back against that but at the same time I really want us to explore what I think are some really good wine and food combinations so
0: can I be a bit of both no, 100%. Absolutely right. I have a sort of scientific mind, a categorization mind, but more and more I, I learn from you is that it, 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 there, there is no right or wrong answer. Uh, you say in your notes, I read, I don't do perfect. <laughs> But it's right, absolutely. It, it's, in one way, it, it's absolutely nonsense. And I wonder if we've got an inferiority complex in, in Britain because we know how sophisticated the Europeans are in their taste and therefore we want to sort of shortcut their sophistication by having an app or whatever that says, oh, you're having prawns, so you have this white wine. Oh, you're having uh, steak tartare, so you have this heavy red. I, I, I think it's, a, it's something that I feel a little insecurity about our, our, our continuing lack of sophistication because we have this reputation for stodgy food and warm beer I'm optimistic though Rich Covid and instructions and citizens behaving themselves in Britain notwithstanding I think we are and despite Brexit we're still on the road to embracing the best of Europe which obviously includes wines and food and I'm at the vanguard because I was a Luddite um, who liked beer and uh, my mum's roast chicken oh delicious uh, but I am you know expanding my horizons at the age of 55 and I think a lot of people are too so I think you're quite right uh, in what you say yes there can be a balance but I'm optimistic that um, you know brilliant podcasts like this uh, can really contribute to um, us being able to get more out of um, food and wine as lovely Brits
1: well here here to that let's introduce the two wines the first wine is a white wine and it is um it's made from this fantastic grape called Gewürztraminer which people may have heard of it's a very quite exotic very aromatic white grape variety that's kind of spiritual heartland really is in Alsace and um, and Germany because obviously Alsace is right on the German border there and has actually Alsace has been German many times during its history so we're in eastern France there but very Germanic because the bottles are long and fluted like the Riesling we had in uh ep 2. One of the local food specialities in Alsace is choucroute, which of course is sauerkraut. So there's this real French German culture clash going on, which is fascinating anyway. There's no mystery about Gewürztraminer. I don't think it often comes up in blind tasting exams because it's so easy to spot. It smells of rose petals and uh, it tastes a bit of lychees and almost a sort of Turkish delight and it's it's quite broad in the mouth. It's a wine with lowish acidity, that's why it feels broad in the mouth. We know that from our tasting ep 7. But I suppose the question with um, a kind of quite exotic wine like Gewürz is what do you eat with it? actually because potentially it's quite a big wine and one of the principles i think the simple principle when it comes to wine and food is if you've got a big wine that could potentially overpower some bland food and vice versa if you've got a quiet wine you don't want to have it with really spicy or complex food because the food will dominate so think of the food and wine as kind of like dancing partners really they've got to kind of join together and kind of be rather nicely sort of balletically (laughs) going around the dance floor together with neither partner sort of dominating i think that's one of the principles of food and wine pairings so we're tasting a lovely a, a carve de Turkheim, which is a big cooperative uh outfit in alsace uh, 2019 from the wine society 10 pounds 50 Just to highlight the second wine which is our red wine really excited about this we haven't given italy too much prominence which uh, you know is, uh, is is ridiculous really because italy arguably is is the most or one of the biggest most winemaker in the well, world it's the largest by, of, uh, remember my name, yeah, yeah well done i'll buy volume italy produces the most wine in the world and some amazing wine and of course in italy there's only one thing that's more important than the wine the wine culture in italy and they do make the most wine in the world as we've just said guess what's more important
0: than wine in italy i know the answer to this my i'm getting a slightly cocky uh, or are the questions getting easier? But it is the food. The, the food is more important. I was about but to anyway, say the football,
1: it. but no, it is the food. <laughs> oh. The Italian red wine we're going to taste, and we we did taste a pecorino in Ep Seven, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, we're oh tasted, God, that, was, that good. was good. We liked that very much. We're tasting a grape variety called Nebbiolo, which comes from northwest Italy. The sort of area, the nearest city, I suppose. Uh, we're talking Piedmonte, the the region. The nearest city would be Turin, but you know, don't think that we're in the middle of. You're in we're some way from that but it's the northwest corner of italy and the thing about italy without going too much on about it is that you've got to remember italy the country we know and love today has only been the country we know and love today since about 1860 it was all divided up into different provinces so you get this incredible food and wine culture in italy that really reflects the regions i mean just unbelievable regionality and every region in italy produces wine you cannot say that about france perhaps that's why italy produces the most wine in the world a bit further south than france obviously so with italy and when you do exam wine exams everyone goes oh no not italy it's a nightmare because it's effective it's like doing sort kind of eight separate countries even though it's one country called italy but so if you're down south you'd be having lots of fish culture and different wines some stunning white wines down for example near um, naples made from fiano and falangina fantastic white wines and the food matching there would be seafood Um, down in the mediterranean there but here in the northwest of italy uh, where nebbiolo comes from nebbiolo is the grape variety that is behind the most some of the most famous wines in the world everyone's probably heard of Barolo, it's a big chunky yeah. wine, a Barolo, or a Barbaresco. Fantastic wines, not cheap, not least because th- they need a bit of time in the barrel and the bottle before they're released to soften the tannins, the acidity is high. They're really foody wines. But the point is, with Italian food and this particular grape variety, Nebbiolo, as I said, it's um, palish colour, which you can comment on in a minute when we get there, and it's aromatic again you can often get violets from it it's got red fruits high acidity tannins quite high but again with italian food the high acidity and most italian grape varieties have high acidity everyone's thinking well that why and is that a good thing it doesn't sound great does it high acidity high acidity can be wonderful if it's balanced well and what Italians love of course is their food so the high acidity you're getting in a grape like Nebbiolo will cut through things like fatty cheese Italian meats truffle or mushroom risotto some of the things we're going to try so actually the high acidity is your friend and the Italians are brilliant in the way they balance their wines with their food so we're going to have a little bit of a explore on that
0: absolutely perfect a few things I heard then one was isn't it fascinating how the sort of geopolitical aspects of the history of a company of a country come come to play uh, when it comes to their wines. So uh, it's your wine study is nightmare Italy because it's like eight different countries. Sadly, of course, they've learned to cooperate on the football field a lot a lot better. And they seem to have one culture which revolves around uh, winning. But uh, congratulations to them. The other thing I really want to go back on, Rich. You said it just uh, uh, before you introduced her, as you were introducing the white the Alsace. And you're talking about principles of pairing food. What we do in our work when we are trying to put across a complex uh, concept, business concept, is we talk about principles rather than rules. And what we find is that principles, which are general things that you go by, are a much better way of controlling, managing, or describing a complex system where there's so much going on. And rules are much better when you're describing something complicated. In other words, there's a lot of moving parts, but there's a high degree of predictability, like a, a internal combustion engine. When there's so much going on with the chemicals in the wine, the chemicals in the food, uh, your own personal taste. Principles are a much better way of helping you make decisions. So you don't say this wine goes with chicken. Yeah. You don't say that one goes with duck. This one goes with Cheese, you um, set certain principles like you described so beautifully uh, using the dancing metaphor where you say if you have a, well, I think you said busy wine or something, another one of those adjectives that I don't use, but I understand exactly what they mean, together with some more subtle food or whatever, is a principle you use when you're matching. And I think that is uh, definitely worth emphasizing because it's a, it's a like like, like I say in, in the work I do sometimes, it's a it's a brilliant way of um, controlling, describing uh, and applying an understanding of a complex system, which is something where predictability is low because you don't quite know whether that pair will work with that so if you apply a principle it's a, it's a much better way of describing that system without again getting too scientific hey
1: y'all i love that mate i love the way that complements the way you, you think kind of um you know in your work wise, really in your management consultancy work you do i think that's really interesting and sorry one thing i just forgot to say waxing on about nebbiolo and northwestern italy the the wine that we're tasting is the wine society's Langhe. lange lange is a province in piedmonte that's the name of the area the wine society's is lange nebbiolo 2018 13 pounds and 95 pence so just so we're clear on the wines i think we need to, to crack on should we start with the with the gaverts?
0: yeah you know when you have a, a sort of a, a big occasion or a working lunch or whatever you're often not really hungry uh and the you know the working lunch is just sort of a, a mechanism by which business is done or indeed entertainment is done in this case, i'm absolutely starving <laughs> my friend. i'm so hungry i've been riding a beast riding a horse this morning and i've worked up quite the appetite so uh yeah so this won't be a tasting this will actually be my lunch
1: oliver's lunch (laughs) welcome to oliver's sunday lunch fantastic good stuff i'm a bit hungry too i've already had a little bit of risotto because i I basically i've made it one of the foods we're testing is a mushroom risotto that we want to taste with the lange nebbiolo taste it with the gewurz as well for liz and the family and children and grandchildren who are upstairs and i've already had a bowl of it and even i've had a bowl of it i'm still hungry i've got and i'm surrounded by italian meats and thai curry and come on let's get involved Brilliant, Ol. So um, we've got both wines in front of us. Let's just nose both of these wines first, Ol, because obviously we're really excited now about olfactory bulbs. Tell me about uh, the Gewürt on the
0: nose. Smells lovely and flowery and 100% Turkish delight. It just bounced out of the glass at me. Really nice. The red, the Nebbiolo. Absolutely as advertised by Mr Arlene. It is It is pale and uh, ruby. Yeah, I mean, not as much bouncing out of the glass, let's say, but... Uh, nice.
1: The Gewurz is so pronounced, it's sort of super pronounced, it's hopping out of the glass as you say. But I feel a bit sorry for the Nebbiolo being up against the nose, on, in fact, up against the Gewurz. But the Nebbiolo has got a lovely nose.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just like a subtle piece of music up against um, a real barnstormer. Right. There's something I've I've got to declare as coming through, and it's uh, quite obscure, but it's distinct, and it is American bubblegum from the 19 late 70s 80s. Uh, which is probably no longer available, uh, bouncing out, well, not bouncing out, but say sneaking out, shall we say, out of the uh, Nebbiolo. Great. And it could be a little bit like Bazooka, uh, also available in the UK, probably still available. Uh, you've got a free cartoon with your Bazooka, and it's a bit like that.
1: Well, come back to the Nebbiolo in a bit. We now need to focus on the Gewürz, this complex, exotic. It's funny, isn't it? It's so exotic, and it comes from sort of, you know, the French-German border. Let's taste it, oh.
0: The Turkish delight thing and the roses is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, I'm just wondering whether I'm getting a better nose. I'm so excited that maybe, maybe my olfactory bulb is uh, bursting into life and going, finally, Oliver, you're using me. Right, let's have a taste. Oh, man. oh, it's sweet, right?
1: Certainly not dry, well spotted. That was something I didn't want to mention. And you've yeah, immediately yeah. picked it up. I suppose the question is if we're looking at level two SAT from EP7, is it off dry or medium? If it's off dry, it's dryish with a little bit of sweetness. I think this is a bit more. I think this is medium, isn't it? I
0: would say that if I had to. I'd even say, I suppose because I'm so used to dry white, it's um, distinctly sweeter than the whites I'm used to. And I would normally bulk at that slightly. But it's lovely because there is something that reminds me of dessert wine. And there's something that reminds me of sherry, which I'm enjoying so I'm not put off by, you know, we talked about my snobbery about sweet wine earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and slowly, slowly, I'm becoming to appreciate it. It's like opening up a whole new world. It's like saying you like funk and jazz, but you you can't get into hip hop. And then suddenly you realise there's a whole world of hip hop waiting for you.
1: Now we're going to start talking about food because... Oh yeah, you get you get the point. Yes, and we're both really hungry. <laughs> this converts to me is just the kind of wine I would just want to sit by itself because it's so complex. It's oily, it's luscious, Turkish delight, and rose smells of rose petals, lychee, mango. Oh wow, kind of slightly baking, spicy. It's gorgeous. Oily, a lot of wine, lot of wine going on here. As I always say, when I get a good wine, and particularly when it's a tenner, a lot of wine going on here for a tenner or just over ten pounds fifty. Now to help us with some food matching because frankly as you've probably gathered from my intro my random beginning um i'm no expert on food and wine pairing I like the idea and I'm keen to explore it with you in this app and the other apps we've talked about food a little bit. There's a lady called Fiona Beckett, quite well known journalist in the UK. She writes for The Guardian and she's got a website called matchingfoodandwine.com. Thank you, Fiona. I know you're listening, of course, to the uh, Wineless podcast. She really has a fantastic resource available, which is giving advice about this sort of stuff. And she says for Gewürz, a classic pairing for her would be a thai red curry with co- that's got
0: coconut milk in it what do we think well i'm going to give it a go because a i'm starving and b i've got a coconut milk curry which is actually sri lankan my one and um, i hope that's good enough but i'm oh, on yeah. fiona's uh, website now it's a nice looking website she <laughs> i just can see her at the bottom you could you can just you can just imagine enjoying a glass of wine with that lady i don't know what it is she's got a little twinkle in her eye and she looks like she'd be really Really good company. Nice to see you, Fiona.
1: Tell us about your, a bit more about
0: your curry. It's a prawn curry in a Sri Lankan style, which I thought was quite unusual. It has a green look to it, but it's definitely a, a sweeter curry because it's got coconut in it. And Please, Rich, can I have a mouthful? The key
1: question is, I'm sure your curry is delicious. And I, Correct. by the way, have got a similar thing. I've got a, I've got a Thai red duck curry. I think the coconut milk is important here. Fiona seems to think that that's something about that richness or slight sweetness from the co- coconut milk is going to complement the the Gewürz and Gewürz can be dry and we've got one and we're saying there's got a bit of sweetness in it so there's a potential clash here let's see
0: wow that is nice I mean part of me thinking you know this is a setup and we, we think this should work and we're following Fiona's advice but there's something really nice about you know when you sometimes when you um you eat something and you drink something it's sort of two separate things you know you're getting refreshment from the fluid and nourishment from the Uh, from the food but that does seem to be and maybe i'm imagining it something going on where the wine's saying nice to meet you shrunken curry and the shrunken curry is going oh you likewise do you fancy a dance it's nice
1: guidelines here not rules you know principles going back to that thing you were talking about which is absolutely spot on when it comes to food and wine i'm convinced it's not about hard and fast rules it's about guiding principles good guiding principles when it comes to food is that generally food can alter the character of wine i think more than wine characters uh, can alter the character of food even though there is a bit of yin and yang between them and in food there are two elements of food that can really enhance wine and that is acidity in food and salt in food acidity and certainly saltiness in food can make dry wine and this isn't a good example with the Gewurz because the gewurts got some bit of sweetness in it but if you have a dry wine and you have food that's quite salty Compared to non-salty, if you have the non-salty food with the dry wine, the wine will taste really, really dry. If you have salty food with a dry wine, it will enhance the relative fruitiness of that wine.
0: Actually, that makes perfect sense because I guess some of it just comes down to um, chemicals complementing, canceling each other out uh, as well. So uh, yeah, so let's stick to the principles. I like it. That, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I say, I say, um, I just had another nibble, another sip. There's something going on. There's something going on here, which is nice. Uh, can't put my finger on it, but they, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say these two comestibles go together well. Of course, you wouldn't necessarily associate curry with wine, right? I, I can't imagine there's too many Indian restaurants who pride themselves on their wine list. And actually, that might be me being totally prejudiced. But this is quite a spicy food and, you know, you'd associate a nice uh, beer. You said in your notes, didn't you? Give me a cobra anytime time you're going out for an Indian uh, curry, for example. But This no seems to work. Seems to work for me. Really good call, Rich and uh, and and Fiona.
1: The curry I'm having is quite spicy. It's not vindaloo, Indian curry hot, but it's I'd say medium to medium plus on the hot food side, which potentially is hazardous because that actually chili heat can sometimes not work very well with and can kind of accentuate high alcohol in wine. What's the alcohol on the Gavert's? I'm guessing it's. 13.5? 13.5? Yeah. 13.5 in the Gewurz. I mean, that's what you would expect. Gewurz is quite a quite a boozy grape, actually.
0: Particularly for a white. It tastes like there's a, um, yeah, there's some booze in there, which is nice.
1: One of the other food pairings that Fiona mentions on her her website, we could try. I was just curious, though, particularly with this little bit of sweetness in the wine, have you got a bit of blue cheese there, Ol?
0: Yeah, I've got a, a few cheeses, one of which was off the menu. You, you didn't suggest it, but I saw some Yorkshire Wensleydale and thought, well, I'm going to have that whatever that goes for anything
1: i mean what a huge surprise the fact that you saw some yorkshire food comesticals and slipped it into the app
0: because <laughs> <laughs> of course i am from yorkshire you might not have um i might not have gone on about that
1: i couldn't find any bedfordshire blue sadly but never mind i've got a little bit of rock for strong blue let's give blue cheese and gewerts a go cheese and wine oh, together
0: Mmm. Yeah. i really really feel there's something going on could it be that there's a sort of third thing going on with the wine and the cheese combining I didn't think I'd be able to taste the wine because the cheese is so prominent but I I can and it does something to it quite indescribable but there's a third sort of (laughs) sensation coming out which is really rather lovely
1: it's a fusion isn't it that's almost created some other kind of feeling brilliant observational because again going back to principles this Gewürz any Gewurz is a complex aromatic wine that's potentially difficult to pair. I've just had it with a little bit of for. I have to say, I, I don't think it would necessarily work if the Gewurz was dry, but there's a, the sweetness in this medium sweetness style of Gewurz with the blue cheese and the I mean, powerful cheese rock for like I'm sure you'll Stilton too, gorgeous. Oh, it's
0: really nice,
1: but it's really, really good because it's not like you've got two heavyweights knocking each other out in the boxing ring. You've got two heavyweights kind of interlocking, complementing each other, and they're both shining. To use the old
0: corny pun, the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts. Absolutely right. And I, like you say, as my confidence increases, I'm very, very confident to agree with you. It's exactly what's happening because I was wondering. In the back of my mind, if it went against one of your principles, which was, you know, comp- complementary—a bolder flavour together with a more subtle flavour—but in this case, absolutely, it's like when you get um, a sitcom where you've got two funny characters, and instead of instead of cancelling each other out, there's something, there's some um, some kind of alchemy between the two characters that makes the whole thing even funnier, um, as opposed to. Two people trying to be funny and cancelling each other out. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the metaphor I'm feeling here. It was extraordinary explosion of a third. What well, you said, fusion—that's exactly the right word. It was a fusion of this um, fairly sweet, really aromatic, and as you say, exotic wine with the old favourite or one of my old favourites, Stilton. That was quite extraordinary flavor bomb. They exploded mm. in my mouth. I want to enjoy
1: good food pairings when they happen, but I'm not going to expect them to happen all the time. And if they happen by accident, then that's, that's called life. And I like that too.
0: Well done. I love the way you sometimes veer into philosophy. And actually, there are, there are sort of um, philosophical lessons. And it's like, yeah, if something happens which is rather glorious, even if you can't put your finger on it scientifically... Excellent. That is part of what I'm learning here. It's not about following rules and, and doing things. It's about discovering things. It's about discovering things that are particular to your palate, taste, and and the combination. And um, I think that's where you know people who enjoy wine and food can, can teach the teach the old uh, the old Brit something. Although, of course, I think, I think you are the very definition of a European uh, in terms of making the best. Someone who loves cricket and wine. There you go. That's probably <laughs> the definition of a British European.
1: Oh, thank you. all. Let's have a look at our Italian friend, the Lange Nebbiolo, and we can pop back to the Gewurz uh, maybe in a minute. I say, I hope we're not going to get funny tummies with all this, these foodstuffs and hopping around different wines and things. But anyway,
0: <laughs> it's a risk I'm willing to take because I'm absolutely starving still. <laughs> it's funny, remember the height of sophistication in, 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 at university was a wine and cheese party. And you thought, my God, I'm a grown up. I've been invited to a wine and cheese party. So there was never any sort of pairing. It was just like, uh, let's go a little bit squiffy and uh, let's have some cheese to soak it up. Uh, and I think that must be the first time where I've just consciously thought, wow, that just flavour bomb just works.
1: We're looking at this fabulously interesting, I think, um, grape variety called Nebbiolo, which is potentially a bit tough. But I think because we haven't got a you know an amazing Barolo or Barbaresco because our budget doesn't go to that. And we want this, and podcast to be accessible to everyone okay 13.95 it's not cheap but you know this is an introduction to Nebbiolo I would say and the Wine Society blurb says this is a good entry and people in the wine business who know a bit more about this region than me say this is a good introduction start off with Lange Nebbiolo before you get on to spending money on Barolo and Barbaresco wines also made from Nebbiolo but I had an instinct that we were going to be in Oliver's truffle territory here although we haven't stretched to truffles but I have made up some some mushroom risotto as I, I said earlier. Have you got some risotto there, Ol?
0: I have a, um, a chicken and mushroom risotto. The mushrooms are dominant. I'm expecting to get that mushroomy taste from the risotto. I think I've got a winner here.
1: Truffles and mushrooms and risotti. They would say in Italian. This is where you would be eating mushroom truffle risotto. In northwest Italy, and you would you'd probably be having this with a glass of a glass of Barbera, or maybe this, a glass of Nebbiolo or a glass of dolcetta or something these are the red wines that come from that part of Italy so this is if you like a sort of authentic geographical sort of um, food pairing and I'll just describe what I'm tasting which is an ordinary mushroom risotto I did add some porcini dry oh, porcini nice. we, yeah. uh, which, which I then soaked for half an hour so you get the lovely kind of um, uh, porcini and you keep the stock and you add that when you're making the risotto so you do get this lovely earthy really kind of forest flory earthy flavor going on in the food which i really hope will complement this wine which is as we've said it's going to have high acidity possibly high tannins we'll see let me just taste the wine first hold on
0: porcini is like a miracle food aren't they and um, i've become vegetarian and i'm just sort of giving up for this podcast episode slightly being cheating um but yes those porcini mushrooms can can, can form the basis of a, a really bolognese meaty feeling vegetarian sauce incredible
1: i love this nebbiolo um this Langhe nebbiolo because it's yes the acidity and the tannins the tannins are on the high side but they're not really overpowering they're they're lovely they're coating my teeth absolutely delicious and with the um the mushroom and the porcini and quite a bit of parmesan cheese in here a little bit of rocket as well as a as a, as a base now i'm going to try both together again it's just so harmonious they, I mean you can, they really are harmonious
0: Oh, I mean, I've cheated really, but I haven't got Parmesan, but I just took a little nibble of the, um, um, of, the of the cheese and the truffle gouda and then the wine. Oh, it's just wonderful. It really, I, did, I did not expect this, you know, Rich. I expected everything to taste nice. Uh, food's decent quality. The wine season quality. I did not expect this, this fusion effect where something else happens when your palate is um, aroused <laughs> by all these tastes. So the mushroom, the, the truffle, the cheese, the wine. Oh my goodness. It's an, it's an awakening. It's like discovering Pink Floyd at the age of 13. It's wonderful.
1: problem I sometimes have is that I can't quite tune in to all three things at once. So I can't focus on an interesting conversation with a friend and fully appreciate potentially the amazing food and wine that's going on at the same time. And my little experiment, my social experiment was when I spent a bit of time living... By myself before I met Liz and when I occasionally cooked something which I thought was half decent or maybe like this mushroom risotto I would deliberately turn the radio off or the music off and I wouldn't end, end up talking to myself or, or to my dog Topper, R.I.P. Topper and um, I would just sit in silence and really really appreciate the food and the wine so slight irony there because some of my best food and wine associations come from being with lovely people with Liz and friends or with you and Dean and Rami but actually if I really think about it quite nice having food and wine without any conversation or any music
0: well I've never done that but I can completely see what you're saying so there's something about the moment as well I always I remember sitting with my friend Rob sun going down on a Greek island and Pink Floyd was playing and there was that mixture of sitting with a lovely friend Um, having a couple of beers, the sun going down on a beautiful island that created a moment of which the music was just a part. And again, so therefore, when I listen to that piece of music, I get that association and it it, it sort of adds to the experience. But is that also thing, because I've never really, until this podcast, concentrated so hard on the sensations that were happening in my mouth when I drank some lovely wine. And now I've done it with food. Uh, Maybe, you know, there's definitely something to it. It's like, when you're in the mood to listen to a piece of music, sometimes, yes, you dissociate yourself from everybody. You turn off the TV and your phone and you just absorb that music. And that's what you're talking about, food and wine, which I've never done before. But I, I'm starting to understand why you want to do that. Because if you really concentrate on the sensual experience, it's just like, bloody hell, wow, that is really like being moved by a piece of music or um, a painting or I, I guess a piece of drama.
1: Just commence Nebbiolo, if you just take your Truffle gouda away for for a moment. How would you find this wine by itself?
0: That's a great question. Can I be bold and say, actually, there's a sort of bitterness to this wine, which makes me go, hmm, I probably wouldn't choose it uh, to have a glass or two at the end of the evening with friends, you, my wife or something. Probably not. Tannin, I'm, you know, I I can take take all leave. So I think I probably wouldn't choose this as a wine. But, but, but there is something going on. A, with my gouda, with my uh, truffle gouda, and, uh, and B, with a the, with the very mushroomy risotto. I'm kind of, without sort of forcing it, proving our point about the alchemy between the two, I think, something worked when I, particularly the, when I had a mouthful of the risotto and a tiny little bit of the cheese, so I've got that little truffly thing going on, the, the wine did something, absolutely, without a doubt. On its own, do you know, I want to say, as teenagers would, meh.
1: The wines in Italy are often... Highly acidic because of of their ability to interact with food in a positive way. Definitely the case with this Nebbiolo. And the fact that they can taste a little bit sour, sour herbs. You get that a lot in Chianti as well with Sangiovese, great variety. But again, I think if you're looking at these wines in isolation, you're not really understanding Italian culture, which is wine and food. And that's why I think this Nebbiolo is a good example of a wine that, yeah, for, for a lot of people's tastes, probably including my own. I mean, I'd happily have a glass of it by itself, but I'd really want to nibble something with it. And the fact that we're having it with some lovely sort of Italian style food, I think, is making this wine shine. And it's making the food shine as well, because as we're discussing, it's the fusion of the two that's making this lovely kind of third thing go on.
0: Uh, Kudos to you, Rich, actually, um, without being too groveled, in terms of your choice. So we've we've only got time to taste two wines and yet quite a lot of the stuff you want to get across in terms of um principles in terms of the, the culture of the country reflecting how you might enjoy the wine with food or without and you know the combinations themselves i think you've covered a hell of a lot of ground with um, just two wines you know what i mean
1: thank you all for saying that and but these two wines do lend themselves to you know lots of stuff to talk about because they're interesting wines one is well the Gewürz well let's go back to the Gewürz actually I think this savoury risotto mushroomy uh, risotto I think it would go really well with the Gewürz Should we give it a go
0: this is insanity we're going completely off piste and off script let's do it <laughs> This is the bravery that that we um, hear about with this podcast. We we don't care. We're not just you know sticking to the script. We just go crazy sometimes, and we pair a mushroom risotto with a. Well, I'll I'll just be quiet now and have a have a little drink. Hang
1: on. Back to a planet. Gewürz. really, I think Gewürz really is a planet. There's no other great variety like converts, <laughs> so uh, I feel as though we've been transported to some sort of parallel planet here.
0: This is insane. It's completely different. With the um, the converts maybe my taste buds. My bowl, my olfactory bowl, is now throbbing with um, anticipation, excitement, and um, it's completely different.
1: Can you explain why it's different?
0: Not yet. I'm not sure that the handshake between these two is as, is as obvious. I'm not sure that the alchemy here. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm only maybe I'm only saying that because the, we didn't plan to pair these two.
1: I'm finding the same thing.
0: Oh, right. Okay.
1: The Gewurz is dominating the result. It
0: is. That's what it is. I'm going to try some... Uh, I'm not even going to ask permission. I'm actually going to do this. This is how crazy I've become this lunchtime. I'm going to try the the truffle cheese with the um, uh, Gertz stamina. I'm going to draw my own conclusions, such as the level of my confidence these days.
1: Go on, master
0: of wine, crack on. <laughs> You've created a monster. I, I no longer follow your instruction. I pair things where I feel that I want to pair them. Right. I guess that it dominates rather than complements. I really do believe that. I'm not even saying it because I think that's what the arc of this podcast should be telling us. Now I'm getting an aftertaste, now the wine is gone, I'm getting an aftertaste again of the truffle and the cheese. But I'm not getting a third fusion. I
1: think point made well there. And again, I think with Gewurz, you know, this is, this is a a bit of an outlier of a great variety, but good to focus on because I think initially, because it's so complex and such a lot going on, Why match food with it? Drink it by itself. But we have found, with a bit of Thai curry, oh, goodness me, absolutely (laughs) fabuloso. Back with our lovely Italian risotto and cheese, not so good. Can we just pop back to Italy again?
0: Yeah, because I have a selection of cold meats, Rich.
1: Ah, I love the fact that the vegetarians got the cold meats.
0: I love that. Yeah, it just shows where my priorities are. I I love this podcast more than I love um, animals.
1: And your (laughs) principles. principles people say to me you know what is it about all i said look i know he's funny i know i know you've known him for years but what i say it's his principles you know <laughs> he's just rock solid it's like you know a yorkshire yeah. straight bat uh, uh heading cricket ground yeah you know vegetarian how on earth are we getting him to get you know what well, how are we going to do italian meats with the vegetarianism
0: He won't do it so mm-hmm. well tell us about the italian meats well lovely absolutely marvelous no I, I i was a bit conflicted but then i thought um it would be a bit incomplete, really, without meat. So, um, also, it's delicious. I love chickens. I used to keep chickens. They, they're they're wonderful creatures, actually. They all have personalities and stuff, and pecking order is something that exists. But I said to them, I said to my ladies, as I collected their eggs, you'd be better off not being so delicious. You just said the pecking order. Hmm. Oh, no, it, it comes? Is that where it comes from? 100% it does, yeah.
1: I, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, that's the pecking order. I kept 12 hens, and I could just about, not quite, but I could number them 1 to 12. I was one poor, poor bugger at the bottom, number twelve, who just got pecked the whole time. And then there was this matriarch at the top who would sit on my knee, cluck, and go, uh, "I'm, I'm the queen." Cluck me! And absolutely. And the number one would peck number two. Number two would peck number three. And it didn't take them long to organise themselves. And then number twelve would be this sort of <laughs> bedraggled, featherless,
1: um, <laughs> flightless bird called Oliver. <laughs>
0: Like me, when I was playing for the 5th 11.
1: <laughs> well, there we go. Of course, you and I know nothing about what it's like to be hempecked. However, quick word on the meats. The acidity of the Nebbiolo and the tannins, I think, perhaps the slight tautness, if you like, of, of, of that wine, would really go well with the cheese here because the, the Italian cheeses will obviously be very fatty. And we'd, of course, hope that the acidity would cut through the fat. Do we get a, Let's try that, see if we get a sensation of that.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm, Okay. Oh, God, that salami's nice. Oh. <laughs> oh, my salami is spectacular. Let me just take a sip of the old uh, Nebbiolo. I'm feeling fusion. Oh wow, I just got some sort of afterburst of something which wasn't wine or meat. it was just loveliness. It was almost cheesy and almost like bready doughy. really amazing. Good Lord, I did not expect that. Oh,' it's delicious. I mean, just add something. you know when I was when I was um had the Alsace? And the risotto, it didn't add something. I was eating some food and drinking some wine. But if I'm going the third way, there's something, wow, that's really
1: nice. If you're in Italy now, you would know all this stuff. And I think that's partly why the British just run around going back to your chickens, run run around like headless chickens. What do I have with this wine and what do I have with this food? Because we're not part of a great food and wine culture. But in Italy, of course, you've grown up with this stuff. And so the kind of stuff that we're now waxing lyrical about You know, the Italians would go, would probably scratch their heads and go, Well, of course, uh, what do they expect? Because they sort of grow up there, and the children will be having a little glass of wine, even if it's a bit watered down when they're five or six years of age, sort of thing. And it's so, I'm not blaming the Brits. I'm just saying it's just, we're trying to understand culture. You cannot just look up culture in a book or on a website.
0: No, you must absorb it.
1: I've just had some lovely um, Italian salami going back to the Gewurz. I've just tasted some really nice Gewurz. And some really nice salami. <laughs> but the two were side by side, but they were not connected.
0: I'm going further. I don't like it. No, I, they, they don't work. This is incredible. I really didn't think this would happen. I thought it would be a bit more, a bit harder. And some of the things have been marginal, but this is, this is distinct. I think it's worse than two things. I think it's a, a disunification or a, a non-complementary or a, a non-unification. D-
1: disunification. Brexit, for example. Oh,
0: golly. Well, i tell you what, no Brexit's going to stop me enjoying uh, the best of Europe.
1: Can we just draw together a few threads and principles, going back to that concept, that idea?
0: Yes, that'd be marvellous.
1: First of all, I want to say thank you to, to Fiona Beckett and her website, actually, which is it really is a super website. And I'm sure Fiona, I don't know her, but I'm going to get in touch with her because I'm sure she'll probably agree it's not about being bossy and saying a must match b and c and d and all the rest of it it's just about helping people make choices i do understand that the
0: about fiona picture there's no way that that lady is is going to be all about rules she's all about enjoyment and and adding to something to the experience i'd be amazed if she wasn't anything like that and anything other than that
1: to be honest i think it's it's pretty simple and it sounds overly scripted in in terms of the conclusions we came to but we've come to them independently because we just aren't organized enough to plan all this stuff we don't taste in advance we do taste live we are tasting in real time wine and food here and i think we've just seen some some great examples of lovely food pairings but it kind of goes back to my point, I think, which is not so much worrying about what you're going to pair wine A with food B, but just to use the principles of avoiding disasters. If you're making food at home, and it's and again, and it, there's some nice acidity and salt, you know that's going to enhance the wine. You know that sweet in food is going to make wine taste awful unless the wine is really sweet and that's why we have dessert wines and that's why dessert wines are generally sweeter than the desserts that they accompany the other principle is just think is the wine a featherweight lightweight middleweight heavyweight What is the wine? And this is why, obviously, the wine knowledge that you've now got all helps. Because you'll know if it's a Beaujolais, it'll be light bodied. There's no way you're putting that up against something really hefty in the food department because the food will just knock it out in round one. So I keep talking about boxing. I know nothing about boxing. Anyway, so it's a sort of thing about just using common sense, I think. Is this a complex wine? Is this a characterful food? Give it a go. But if there's a mismatch, it's probably not going to work. I think that's what we're saying.
0: It's principles. Utterly convinced about that and, and completely relate to it in, in my work. It's a complex system. In other words, low levels of predictability. An internal combustion engine is complicated, high levels of predictability, because the engine will probably start moving forward. Pairing wines, low level of predictability because there's too much going on. There's a the chemical structure of the wines, temperature, there's whether you're having a good time, ditto with the food, your palate, etc. Principles. We, we could probably outline the principles. I mean, you, you've just done it. Uh, but they're, they're relatively simple and few, and the most important important one of course is if it tastes good it probably is good personal preference flipping heck how important is
1: personal preference whether it's wine or food or or wine and food pairing absolutely so never forget if you're pairing stuff and you like it and it's maybe against what other people are saying don't worry about it and the other thing is can you have red wine with
0: fish or
1: white wine with red meat what's the answer on
0: if you fancy it you definitely can. And if you like it, you definitely can. And in order to have a personal preference, uh, what you need to be is a human being. That's it. You put a human into the system, the complexity goes up a billion fold, and therefore rules won't work. End of story. Otherwise, you'd get people from Glasgow like this kind of wine, people from Birmingham like this kind of wine, people from Acapulco like this kind of wine. Actually, not true.
1: Well said Ol. just a little um, hint of what's coming up in Sniff Sniff, the final episode of the series episode 10 which is going to be called I don't know because we haven't got that far yet but all I will say about episode 10 Oliver and I are going to be together rather than talking remotely down the line we're going to be in a restaurant in southwest London aren't we all?
0: Yeah, all booked up. And who's paying? We don't know, but we're pretty sure that it'll be us because we're not that popular yet. I think we will be and we'll be getting all sorts of invitations from all sorts of fancy restaurants after series season two. But I think at the end of season one, we're going to get the invitation to book a table, have a meal and pay for a meal. (laughs) (laughs)
1: We will be in Shea Bruce, which obviously the wine list is the title of the podcast. When we're in Shea Bruce next week, we will have a quick peep at Gewürztraminer and uh, Nebbiolo rather than do that now. And but the most important thing is it's going to be episode 10. We're going to be discussing port and fortified wine. And most importantly of all, Oliver is going
0: to be choosing the wine from the wine list. Bring it on. Uh, Let's make it a conversation as well. So that if I'm if I'm dropping an absolute clangor
1: quite a bit of washing up to be done let's go and crack on enjoy the rest of your sunday i'll take it away thank
0: you rich please join us on all sorts of social media predominantly facebook Uh, our website is winelistpod.com and we are available on all of the best platforms including google play spotify and itunes give us a review and a thumbs up positive or not positive but please try and be constructive if there's things that you don't like um i've had a lot of fun what a lovely sunday lunch this has been rich thank you so much for continuing my education so yep washing up time and then um maybe the papers i'll see you next week rich